Hey, how are you? You are listening to another episode of the Momentum Focus Podcast. And in fact, this is a special episode because on rare occasions, I get to share the microphone with my co-leader in this space of ministry. And this time, the conversation was so rich that it needed, it required us to break it into a two-part episode. So you're going to find two separate episodes, but one continuous conversation about being seen with my co-laborer, co-sojourner, Raina Floyd. Um, this, Both of these episodes still flow within this rhythm that we've been in in this particular season of what it takes to be emotionally well and emotionally mature. Um, and that often... I think I'd be safe to say that always includes being vulnerable. And that's not always a place that we readily raise our hand and sign up to go. Um, But, not but. And if we are willing to do what it takes, if we're willing to take the necessary steps to do the work to be well and to be free and to adjust our focus, that has to include our vulnerability. So I pray that these next two episodes are a blessing to your soul um, and they remind you that you get to come alive to the life that you've been given. Take care, friend, and I will talk with you soon. Um, but no, I was saying the struggle with all of us, literally it is the duplicity. I was listening to a song last night and she said, it is the duplicity of my being that in all my frailty, you see me as whole. Mm. Right. And I would like it, the song, when I heard it, I wrote the lyrics down somewhere and I don't remember where I put them. Um, one of your many journals, one of my many journals, I kid you not. And I have decided that I have now, I have a set of journals when I am writing something that could potentially be a book. Mm -hmm. I have a set of journals that are my thoughts that need to get out of my body. I have a set of notebooks that are Bible study, deep dive. Let me see where the Lord is taking me with this because I've never heard this word before kind of thing or see a scripture that I'm like, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. I have notebooks just for that. That way, if I need to go reference something, I know which kind of notebook it's in. Mm. Like if it's Bible study notes with a group that I'm doing a study with, it's in a moleskin journal. So I have those in one section of my cabinet. If, like I said, if it's my thought journals, it looks like something else. If it's Bible study, it's a, it's a set of spiral notebooks. So that way, if I'm looking, I'm telling it all. If somebody ever break in my house, they know what I'm dealing with because they know which journals to look for. <laughs> I 
literally bought a journal that said, after writing in this, burn it. <laughs> but listen, listen, listen. My favorite part is you are such a writer. You're thinking people are breaking into your house to find books. <laughs> <laughs> They're not looking for books. No, ma'am, that is not what we can. No, they're not looking for books. <laughs> like, but you're you can have everything, just don't take my notebooks. But you're such a writer and a reader. You're like, I would totally go take somebody's books. <laughs> Do you see? Like, no, could you not? Like when my father-in-law passed away and they were clearing out his house and they were going to have a yard sale, but then they were like, there's too much to sift through. Like we're going to pull the things that we know are sentimental to our family. And each of Seth and his brother and sister said, okay, do you, is there anything that you know you wanted in dad's house? Anything that belonged to mom, anything belonged yeah. to dad? Or, and then they went through the list of like, who should we donate mom's clothes to? Cause she was super fashionable. Who should we dedicate or donate um, his preaching suits to? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. And my, literally my first thought is, can we just go fly back so I can get all of his books? And Seth was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, but those are like years of wisdom. And he's like, I'm sure you could find those books somewhere else. You would have to literally sit and go through. But I was like, all oh, those books, where'd they take them? But they donated everything to the Goodwill. So I'm like, but still. You know, no, that's one of the things. Um, so we've talked about that, you know, very at a specific time in my mom's life when she was about to have surgery. And it was one of those surgeries where you have to sign. I know I might not come out of this. Right. Hmm. Um, so she wrote her will and all the things. And we were talking. And it's funny you bring this up because we were just talking yesterday about pieces of her jewelry. Um, and when this all came up the first time. And I was like, listen, I'll, I'll love and treasure your jewelry because you wore it. I'm not a jewelry person, but I, I need your vinyl <laughs> and I need to go through the books. <laughs> I said, after that, you know, and she, she made me promise that whatever books I didn't, I didn't take, she wants them donated to specific school or, um, <clears throat> just specific places. Um, and so we were talking last night about jewelry again and I told her I'm really not a jewelry person just reminding her but she asked me about like this necklace she has with this beautiful pearl and I was like I can do pearls I can do that and I will treasure it because you know you wore it and you loved it but um I told her I said definitely I need I need all the music <laughs> all the vinyl all the cds yeah it's when my dad passed away um and in all honesty I didn't really know what he had I knew that there was a hat that he wore a fedora that I was like one of y'all get that fedora I need the fedora um so I got the fedora and then I also got um he had a, a black leather cowboy hat and so my brother gave me both of those and then like months after my dad passed away my brother was like I'm sending you a package of some of daddy's things that I think you would want and lo and behold, it was a box of vinyl records. And I was like, I like sat there sifting through them in tears, just like, cause I'm still learning my dad. I'm still learning 
like Mm -hmm. who he was the other day it was the wildest thing and it's crazy how grief has a way of creeping up on you not in a sad way but in a way that reminds you of the good of the good remembrance yes the grief of remembrance let me write that down really quick Mm -hmm. because um (laughs) because it was the kindest god nudge that it wasn't even a god wink it was a straight up holy spirit nudge like hey do you remember that right and so it, it it required me to grieve a little bit of like oh yes i do remember that right and it was werther's candy the hard toffee like horribly old wrap like i can hear the wrapper the crinkle the crinkle <laughs> listen listen yes. you know, here's what here's what's funny okay so you go over to family's house you know older aunts whatever and they have the the hard candy out in the jar yes there's the candy that's like the lift look stay (laughs) okay okay so there's this kind right right And this is rocks like, candy. Yeah, this is regular plastic, whatever right. crap. But the Werther's came in the kind that was like, yes. <laughs> yes. So this crinkles differently it's than a, this. It's a different crinkle and it's a different joy, right? Right. Yeah. Because so, you know the foil was hiding some good stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. and it was like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. Like <laughs> My, my favorite thing about the Werther's was that like that that your tongue would do the that weird inner circle right and it, yeah yes and you yes. pick up all the caramel flavor right yes. you I love it so y'all can't see her but her hands are making this like oh my gosh this is so good <laughs> I, scoops it up. I mean I was in the middle of Aldi like about to burst into like an eight-year-old hyperventilating cry Mm -hmm. of like not even a cry of grief but a cry of like oh I remember my dad would pick us up and and this was when my parents had separated he would pick us up and the the the, what is now a cup holder like it used to be like an ashtray yes yes because there were no cup holders he would have cigarette butts in the ashtray Mm -hmm. and a like a container of Werther's sitting in the car and he and his car just reeked of coffee, cigarettes, and Werther's. And I'm like, and Pierre Cardin cologne. <laughs> oh my goodness. That had a chokehold on all black men. <laughs> 70s and 80s. Like, I can smell it right now. It was like old spice in the 70s. And then it like, they, they like, elevated. They in a, in a bottle that looked like a microphone <laughs> or a disco ball, right? <laughs> But I could like literally just seeing that candy, I smelled all of it. I smelled it. I could literally like you were talking about the texture because we're such like sense driven like beings. God made us Mm -hmm. that way. Literally picking up the package and I hadn't even opened the bag yet. Picking up Mm -hmm. the package, I could smell it. And then all the memories came back and I could literally feel my dad's skin and he had flawless like my mom said that I would like lean up against him and there was like 
he obviously would would have had a beard so he shaved mm-hmm. but he shaved so close from being in the military that like you didn't see stubble you know razor bumps no nothing and she said i would place my cheek right up against his cheek where there was no hair and just rub back and forth because of how smooth his skin was mm-hmm. and she said that when he would have mm-hmm. to leave she they had bought me this blanket that the edges it was like a quilt and the edges of the quilt were satin and I would sit there and rub my fingers on the satin when my dad was gone that was my coping oh missing softness in his presence like the texture of that and it's crazy because to this day I have an issue wearing silk Mm. and I think it's because of that like the grief of of Mm -hmm. not the grief of losing my dad but like the pain of him leaving and just the childhood we had and the association of you represent something that should be really soft and gentle and tender, Mm -hmm. but that's not what I got. Trauma is real, girl. Trauma is real. Like I had a whole therapy session with a bag of Werther's. God ministered to you in the middle of the candy aisle. In the middle of a candy aisle at an Aldi store. So how about that? Um, so that's not even what we came to talk about, but it is. So, (laughs) um, so this is part two. If you caught part one, good job. If you are catching part two, we're going to ask you to make sure you circle back and listen to part one. Um, so I'm sitting here with my sister friend, Raina, and we are, we were going to start talking about, um, an opportunity she had to attend, um, the girl trek um protest what was it stress, called stress protest. stress protest stress protest and it was a retreat um for all of the girl trek um participants members um, sisters whatever you want to call them but girl trek is an organization that has founded themselves on getting black women and women of color up and moving their bodies and getting back in their bodies and they've done it through a series of um themed movements no pun intended or actually pun intended because they were they're moving bodies but they're also moving minds and they're moving their mission to call people back to remember the stories to remember the legacy to remember where they came from to remember each other and to literally remember ourselves If you think about that word, remember, it is a coming back together, just like we were talking about the grief of remembrance, right? Where it calls you up and there's a little bit of a moment of sorrow. And then there's a little bit of moment of joy because there's joy and sorrow while they feel very opposing, they are often found in the same thread. Um, And it just reminds me of, and I think I mentioned this in one of the other episodes, but it reminds me of the movie Inside Out and how the character joy and the character sadness seem to be opposite of each other where one was blue and one was yellow. But if you remember joy, her, um, no, I think they were both blue. I could be bad with remembering the colors. I need to, yeah, I need to go pull them up because I just remember there was something really unique about their characteristic traits that that matched each other i think she had blue hair she had blue hair she had blue hair that's what it was she yeah had blue hair mm-hmm. and the other character was blue yeah um, 
Okay, that's what it was. And there's a scene in the movie where Joy is trying to make sure that sadness never touches a core memory, right? A core memory for me was the texture of my dad's skin, right? Mm -hmm. Core memory. Um, <clears throat> and so Joy tells sadness that she can't touch a core memory in Riley's thoughts or her brain or her heart because then it will ruin the story and then she later they later find out that joy and sadness actually get to work together because that mm -hmm. is Riley's story um <clears throat> and I bring that up just because I know that our bodies carry a story and if we are aren't willing mm -hmm. to go back and find out what that story is we can try to create a different story and even in the work of creating a new narrative sometimes we try to create a different story and we end up telling someone else's story in our own bodies which seems really um almost impossible but it is possible when you think about the fact that if you don't know who you are and you only assimilate to the people around you you start looking like and acting like and thinking like and being like those other people with no idea of who you truly are so what God just told me with that was um, a word. This is how I know when it's God, because it's not like I don't use that word. Um, <clears throat> is he said you're trying to graft yes. somebody else on a canvas that he's writing on or he's he's creating and it's it's not it's not right. You know how like artists will put um they'll paint over an old painting mm. usually mm. because they they are trying to save money or you know resources or they just didn't like where that was going mm. and he said when we do that we're trying to graft um a different story on top of a story he's still writing and that's why it doesn't it doesn't work it's wild that he would use that word because there is literally a scripture that says we've been engrafted in or grafted into the body of Christ. Oh, I do know that. I just hadn't heard that translation. Yeah. Like where you literally, and I remember hearing it in a, a Bible study once and the facilitator said it would be the equivalent of knowing that there's this beautiful tree growing in your backyard and you want, you want it to now be in your front yard. So you go and pluck a branch off the tree and plug it in your front yard, hoping that it will grow. But that's not the way. Know, that's not how that works. <laughs> right, right. So she said, you would have to go into the root of the tree mm. and pull one of the roots and then put it in the front yard. And she said, this is how we have all been grafted into the body of Christ. It starts with the root of knowing that God is the root of who we are. And no matter where he moves you and which people group he places you in, you are still who you are. You've just been pulled from the root and moved where you need to be. See that broom? Y'all, this is real life. I love that we can. And family comes in and wants to know, can you help me? I love you. Bye. I love it. I love it. And honestly, I miss that season of life. I miss it something terrible to 
to realize that my kids are not here. And the other day my son came home, but I wasn't home. And he called me. He's like, where are you? <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to be out of my house. <laughs> He's like, I and this is out. where you were when I left. Right. You stay here. here. So you're here when I come back. Right. I was like, I'm not there and I won't be back anytime soon. He was like, okay. <laughs> and it's just, it's a strange season and my house is so quiet. Like when they're, when everybody's out doing their thing and it's like, I just, I miss, I miss them being little. I miss them being little. And, and speaking of which, like I'm, I'm in this space right now, even which it that resonated with me when you said about the artist painting over an old canvas, because I want to make sure whatever I'm doing in this season of life, that I'm not just painting over an old canvas. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that if God decides he wants to paint over an old canvas, I'll let him do that. But I don't want to make the mistake assuming that what I have isn't isn't worth anything or is it's unnecessary or you know what I mean or that something better would be better <laughs> um so let's talk about this um I don't know why I keep losing the train of thought of what is called the stress protest um <laughs> I mean, let me let me just do I don't have I don't have um the news reporter voice like that lady I sent you I love her so much oh, yes. um I don't have one of those voice like I don't know how to do that but I'm gonna I'm gonna read this okay okay girl trek is a global movement of black women historic legacy of walking and the power of self-care as a pathway to heal and transform our lives. We believe walking 30 minutes a day is a radical act of self-love and the root of a cultural evolution. Far more than a walking group, we exist to bring health and happiness to the doorsteps of 700 million Black women worldwide. We are a campaign to heal intergenerational trauma, fight system systemic racism, and transform Black lives. We are powering a mass movement for health justice. That's straight from their um, homepage for the organization. And underneath that, they um, break down some statistics um, of why they started this. So five to 10 years, less life expectancy for black women behind other groups. 81% um, of black women are overweight. I am one of them. 52% of black women are obese. Now we do know that the BMI measurements, and that's one of the things um, Vanessa had asked about follow-up after the, the stress protest, and I haven't filled out my, my questionnaire yet, but one of the things I, I am going to address is we have to move away from the BMI because it's not for us. And for us, I don't even mean specifically Black women, I mean women. <laughs> it yeah, was not- it, it was made up by a man. Well, not just a man. I think it was like Norwegian men. It was based on Norwegian men. Um, I've never met a man from Nor Norway, but I'm pretty sure he's not a five like one. <laughs> right? He's not five one. No, I'm no longer five one actually because my kids stole some of my height from discompression. But it's not for us. It's not for women. It's not for people who have have the ability to have children, whether you've had them or not, because your body's 
built <laughs> to hold on to fat and weight just in case you're yeah. not only pregnant, but you're also pregnant and there's a famine. Um, so yeah, I, I want us to move away from the, from the BMI, but it's, I like, I know that definitely that, that overweight thing is, is real. Um, so then it just goes on to talk about, um, the benefits of walking specifically with Girl Trek. People have reported walking more consistently, taking care of their, their health in different ways. Like I know for me personally, that, that those first few months of walking with, with Girl Trek here in Columbia, I made my first appointment to go get a mammogram. I hadn't had one in years. Hmm. I had been avoiding them. Um, I you know made an appointment for the GUI. I, I just started doing things that I knew I should do, but it was different to have a group of sisters being like, you're going to go do that. Right. <laughs> and then with the follow-up, how did it go? And not even like, how did it go? Did you really go? But like genuinely, how did it go? Hmm. Was it good news? Was it not? How are you handling that news? And, um, you know, what is this about to be October, 2022 I've had in the last two years, you know, two mammograms, two MRIs, two biopsies. It's a lot. And so emotionally that can take a toll on you. So to have a group of women who are automatically like, we got you, how are you? It means a lot. Yeah. Um, and so what I really appreciated about the stress protest is how often it came up of like, we're more than a walking group. Like it, it's a sisterhood where you happen to walk. Like that's, they, they know that when you move a muscle, you can change a thought. Yeah. They know that there's power in, in the movement. Like we talk about that within, you know, the Revelation Wellness family of why do we, when we do a meetup, why do we do the movement first? Cause that people, open up with movement. And so the talking part can, and the listening part is, is better received. And it, it just, I, I don't, I know, you know, a lot of the sciencey stuff. <laughs> um, you know, if I took my time, I could probably remember the sciencey stuff and all the, the chemicals and the hormones being released. All I know is when we walk together, there is a level of vulnerability and willingness that's not there when you're necessarily sitting down across, you know, having coffee. I don't know, maybe people do that. I just, you know, I like to move and I like to be with people who like to move and you get fresh air and hmm. we can go from being super serious to like laughing in, in two sentences. And this, that's just how it is. Um, but the stress protest was really cool to hear how many people, I was definitely one of them, even though I, I joined the group before the pandemic hit, how many people said, I would not, I would not have made it through the pandemic the same if it wasn't for Black History Boot Camp. Mm -hmm. And they turned out such good episodes of Black History Boot Camp that year. Um, I mean, everyone who got up and spoke mentioned that 
And it was also cute how many girls were saying, well, I'm not really in Girl Trek, but I wanted to come anyway. And everyone is like, what are you talking about? You're here. <laughs> like, and they're like, well, I haven't gone online to fill out the thing. Go fill out the thing. But you like, you're here. You're a part of this. Um, it's crazy how we fall into the trap of, well, I'm not really a part of it. I just kind of am a part of it. I'm not yeah. really like one girl, one girl even said, like, I don't even have a shirt. And so, <laughs> so many, so many women bought her shirts that weekend. Hmm. <laughs> and they're like, have a shirt. I mean, that whole just that whole notion of not really knowing if we belong. Right. Like I'm there, but I don't really know if I'm a part of it. Mm. Which I think that we it's an opportunity for both the giver and the receiver to take a step back and just say like let's do a better job of making sure that we let people know you belong here not in a like yes you can come sit with us Mm -hmm. need our permission but let's give them permission and let's each of us go in knowing that we belong there as opposed to well I don't really know if I fit I don't really know if I've been invited. And I know that that, again, coming back to the grief of remembrance, there's a, some trauma that's connected to why we don't know if we belong. Um, yeah, no, no, that's, that's real. That really is. And it was, it was cool. Like the people God sent to me to connect with that weekend. Um, Cause I went by myself. Um, a lot of women, you know, went. Not, with, I, I'm like, my, have a knot in my throat right now, just hearing you say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a little tough for me. A lot of women, you know, went with a girlfriend. They went with their sisters. There was so cute. There was there was about five or six daughter and mom um, mm-hmm. pairings. Um, there was this one group. Oh my goodness! I was like, y'all have inspired me to round up as many of the women from Girl Trek Columbia because, yo, they reminded me of the pink ladies because they all had matching, um, I don't remember if it was hoodies or long sleeve shirts, whatever it was, like they were repping their local crew. I want a jacket. (laughs) And I was like, and I, and I went up to them. I said, I I don't know where y'all are from, but you need to tell your people when you go back that you showed up and you showed out because you represent it and I want this <laughs> so yeah. I told them I said I'm gonna go I'm gonna go around a girl trek girls from Columbia and be like we're going and we're wearing matching shirts that's what we're like doing. for real like a <laughs> member like a straight up members only jacket <laughs> <laughs> by the way somehow that members only has made a comeback I'm gonna have to tell you about that DJ spent a lot of money on this really cute jacket and I was like there's no way that's your grandfather's members only yeah, Company. there's there's the members only jackets made a comeback. And do you remember the Coca-Cola shirts, the rugby shirts? They made a comeback. Really? Um they're literally everywhere. Um, and then what's the other? The Letterman sweaters, like the Khalifa mm. sweaters made mm-hmm. a comeback, and the Letterman's jackets where like okay. you don't have to necessarily have a, have a letter yeah with just the jacket as a no, no no I remember because they hit they were popular um late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. yeah everything comes back around Doc Martin, um, wide leg pants all of it um <laughs> but when when I got to talk to these to these different women throughout the weekend it was 
really clear that the conversation was mutually beneficial. Mm. Um, and it was so cool getting to, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would have been able to go to the retreat, especially by myself just 10 years ago. Mm. I think one of the, the, sweetest blessings from the weekend was God showing me not only, you know, is he doing a work in me, but how much work he's already done. Mm-hmm. Um, because as, as a mixed girl, as a Afro Latina, specifically, you know, Mexican and Belizean, um, coming up in the eighties, there was only one other mixed girl in my school and it was a huge school. And she was like the more traditional American mix of black and white. Hmm. Um, Her daddy was in an old school funk band. Like they were kind of famous um, in the (laughs) seventies. But there wasn't, there wasn't anybody like me. And and it wasn't like um, something that I felt good about. I didn't feel like it was to be celebrated. It was always like, well, where could I fit in? Um, and, and God has really, really, really worked with me on that in the last, you know, 10 years, especially questioning, like, am I, am I, you know, Latin enough? Cause I don't fluently speak Spanish. So in, when I moved to Virginia, I was not, I was completely rejected by mm. the, the, the students in the school who spoke Spanish because I didn't. And then I wasn't melanated enough for the black girls at school. And um, just feeling very lost and wanting to go to Spelman, that was the plan. Um, But after that very traumatic experience in Northern Virginia, I was like, well, no way I'm going farther South and figuring out what that's gonna be like. Yeah. Um, but I still went to an all women's college and, and in that school, God dropped me in the middle of this tiny, like we just had an HBCU on a PWI. Like that was just, it was just us. It was our crew. We threw, we threw parties and um we were still very inclusive of you know other women of color, but like we knew like this is who we rode for. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I had, um, you know, held on to that. But when I left school, you know, I would find women. Like, let me just say, if you don't understand this phrase or if it offends you, please take it to God. But the, the world does not deserve Black women <laughs> because Black women are like the most welcoming, loving, accepting women. And so I had to realize that the black girls that I met in Virginia in, in high school, it, it was just an age thing. Yeah. It was an age thing. It was a conditioning from society thing. Um, and, and people bring trauma to, you know, to interactions. And it wasn't like, this is an everybody thing. And God really worked on that with me, you know, through college in, in the last several years. But when I went to the stress protest, I went a hundred percent knowing I needed it. I went a hundred percent knowing I belonged. Hmm. And I 
know what I present as. I, I present as a racially ambiguous woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've come to realize that by and large, Caucasian people um, just feel more comfortable with like, well, she's something. Um, and black people, specifically older black people are like, oh no, she's, she's got black in her. <laughs> right. Um, and, and then Hispanic people could be like, she could be Hispanic. She could be Italian. I don't really know. And then I open my mouth and they're like, oh no, she's got something Latin in her because of the way she speaks. The way she speaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I went to the stress protests, I showed up fully as myself and, um, I did not feel the need as I did when I was younger to prove my blackness. Mm. I just showed up as myself and I, I only felt one moment of like, er. <laughs> and that really, I don't think it had anything to do with um, how I present. It was just a, a woman having lunch um, by herself on her phone and um me and the girls from Truth's Table were trying to take a picture. And, you know, uh is much taller than me. Everybody's taller than me, let's be real. <laughs> so we were trying to get the angle and we couldn't get it right with a selfie. So um, there were two smaller groups of people who were having conversation and I didn't want to interrupt them. And I think I offended the woman who was by herself because it was kind of like, perhaps she felt I didn't value her alone time versus you know not wanting to disrupt these these the group oh yeah you know what I mean um but that's the only time I experienced any sort of off-putting interaction with anybody um and I I really if, if if I didn't interact with you personally and we didn't have conversation I don't know what people thought I was <laughs> I don't I don't know but I also was in a really good space and I have been in this space for a really long time of like I don't feel like I need to tell you right. or explain or justify or whatever um it's really cute one of my my classes yesterday was asking me about my ethnicity and race and um I guess a teacher somewhere on campus who's new had stated she thought that I was all white and I looked very perplexed when my students told me that. And I was like, mm, no. And so I broke down just, just parents and grandparents. I broke down for them, right? And um, I was like, I would never say that I'm not white. Cause like my sister doesn't claim being white at all. She just says she's Mexican. <laughs> that's all she claims. But that's like, I'm not gonna deny my mom's dad. Right. You know, I wasn't like super close to him, but he's he's a person and he, you know, he's there. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to yeah. be like, no, there's no white. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I explained where, you know, my great grandmother's from Africa. This is how it breaks down that I, whatever, whatever. Um, and I said in a country specifically in the South, in a region where it's like, you're either this or that, this very binary, um, or you could only be this combination. I said, I really do confuse people because they don't, they don't even know that combination is possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness, we didn't even have a word for it until 20, like 19, the Afro-Latina. I was like, oh, really? Right. There's a word for me now? Right. <laughs> um, I, I still remember when my mom 
like I, it blows people's minds when I tell them that she researched her racial mixture at the library through birth records, death certificates, microfilm, like oh microfiche. I used yes, to love microfiche. Yes, like literally sitting at the at the library, like going through like whatever genealogy records she could find through like the census and stuff like that. Your mom was her own ancestry.com before ancestry. She was her own ancestry before it happened. And literally, like if we would bring a friend home, she could look at them and say, I bet your family is mixed with blah, blah, blah. Because she like, she was just a wealth of knowledge. And I remember her first learning the word mulatto Mm. and Matisse. And though she found that like on her dad's side, there were, they were- Mestizo? Matisse uh, Creole, mm-hmm. like on her dad's side, but then on her, on my grandmother's side was, which we still think is either Cuban or Brazilian, mm-hmm. but her birth, her birth certificate under race on my grandmother's birth certificate said other. And, and she was adopted. So we don't know. Mm. We don't know what she was mixed with, but my mom was able to find through whatever she found, she found something that traced back to like mulatto mm-hmm. or, or that word. Cause I know that that's not like a, it's a, a slang, thing. Yeah, <laughs> slang word, um, which. No, well, it's not a slang word, girl. That Spanish, the Spanish had a very structured caste system. Really? And that was very, I got to see it in person at, at, at the Smithsonian, um, And it was mind blowing how detailed it was because at the very top of of the cast is pure Spanish, right? Which isn't real y'all. So if you don't know the Spanish were conquered by the Moors from Africa for several years. So there's no such thing. Um, But in the Spaniard's eyes, the the purest was the Spaniard and the bottom of the the, um, caste system was African. Hmm. And, And then there was indigenous, and they had a name for every single pairing of a Spaniard with an indigenous, a Spaniard with an African, indigenous with an African, and then anything from there, those offshoots. It was a very long scroll um, where it was, it was a very detailed caste system. So mulatto is actually mulatto. It's, it's from, from Spanish. It was one of the mixings um, on the caste system. Well, then that makes sense. Like I said, because we keep saying like my grandmother is she's got some kind of Spaniard something in, in there. But even like when I, when I did my ancestry DNA, there was no trace of any kind of mulatto that showed up on the DNA, but there is a percentage that was called like early North Carolinian and I was talking to a friend of mine and she said that basically is indigenous. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, you wow. should, you should do, you should do, um, the African ancestry.com. It was really cool getting to, to speak with the founder, um, at the stress protest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been following them for a few years, um, and have read all the material online, but it was, it was very different having the presentation broken down in person where you could ask specific questions. So for you, because you're speaking about your mom's mom, Mm -hmm. you can take that test and it goes back 
from the maternal line about 2000 years. Mm -hmm. And you'll get some really detailed information. You'll know like what region and people group you are from Africa. Mm. Um, And while they don't break down, like if there's anything, you know, Latin American, it won't say what region, but it will say like people group, if that makes sense. Not people group like the tribes, but um, they do break that down. I, like I said, the ancestry one was really eye-opening because my mother knew that her father was black and white. That was like, that was his mixture and some Native American, but she wasn't sure where. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was quite a bit Irish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was, but there was a whole lot of Ethiopian, Nigerian, and I can't remember the other African nation, but it was it was just wild to stare at it. And it makes me think of when I watch, there's a special um, on PBS, Finding Your Roots. And yeah. Ava DuVernay, she did, she did hers. And he was like, are you ready to open the results? And she sat there kind of stone-faced, like poker face. And he handed her the results and she opened and she was like I'm black I'm black I'm black I'm black that's all I needed to know that I'm black (laughs) and it was the reaction (laughs) (laughs) and I will admit like I was holding my breath when I got the email that said my results were in because I didn't know what it was gonna say Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's such an identity struggle, like you were saying of like not being melanated enough. Your hair looks different. You've got to be mixed with something else. Why your skin, why is your skin that color? You not all black. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah. No, no, that is, that is is very real um, within the community with, with, with colorism. Right. Um, So I, 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 I think there's, two equally insulting things that black women hear. Um, the one thing that that tops it all <laughs> is you're pretty for a black girl, right? Or a dark girl. And the other one is, is for people who are less dark is justifying their beauty being like oh you must be mixed with something um like as if a black woman needs to be mixed with something to be beautiful right um it's just it's just the way that this this society has just speaking of roots is just had stayed rooted to anti-blackness yeah um and so it, it is very understandable, right? When um, there's any encroachment within within the the, the group and the culture of um, like this is this is a very real lived experience for me. Is walking anywhere, you know? I walk a lot, or you know, with, with girl trek or, or solo trek rather, but walking anywhere, shopping, whatever, and coming across and walking past a black man and smiling and not getting a smile back for black men in this country, the most dangerous people have been white women. Hmm. Um, 
a white woman says you did something. I mean, look at Emmett Till. So there's a sadness, but there's an understanding on my part. Um, so the same thing, you know, with women who clearly present as black and me coming around who am racially ambiguous, um, it is a space that I, that I tread in where I don't question my belonging anymore, but I also don't force my presence to where I acknowledge and honor, like everyone's in a different place. And so if, if my presence is triggering, I'm, I'm not retreating, but I'm also not pressing. Hmm. Um, and that was a really, um, one of the women at, um, stress protests that I had met on my bus and kept connecting to, um, throughout the weekend, she pulled me aside during the party and y'all, that was such a good party. Um, <laughs> but she pulled me aside at the party and she really blessed me with, with some words and they made me very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it was simply, um, along the lines of you have a gift of coming into a space and welcoming people and pulling them in and just being so full of joy and being yourself. And I, I don't remember what she followed that up with, but like, you can tell me my hair looks cute. You can tell me like, you like my hoops and I'll be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but when you tell me about me, that like, oh, I'm going to cry. I know me that, too. I'm like, oh, when you tell me about me that you see me and you have appreciation for who I am. Yo, that makes me uncomfortable. So I made light of it and I kind of giggled or whatever. Um, but I had reached out to her. I thought I was reaching out to her. She put her phone number in my phone wrong because it's an Android and she only knows Apple. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, thought I was, you know, texting her a, a day or two later and I, I, I apologized. Um, and, and God had me reach out to her and just be like, thank her for taking the time to speak over you with such kind and encouraging words and just tell her, like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm going to work on that though. Um, and you know, thank you, like apologize and thank at the same time, but that really did summarize <laughs> my weekend of how many times I got to be with women who, who saw me and was like, and they were like, I like that. <laughs> um, and it was just all around, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, just a challenging weekend, but such a blessing experience. It was so, so good. Um, I'm going to figure out my finances, but I'm, I definitely want to go back. It's definitely something. Look, I'm still trying to pull myself together. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, Ooh. it's definitely something I would, um, I want to go back and do again. I mean, what a gift. Yeah. No, no, I can't stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> what a gift especially 
in the middle of a culture that keeps yelling out, I see you. When you're, where it's like, no, you don't, because you keep telling me that you don't see color, that the Lord made us all just human beings. Yeah. I literally had to stand face to face with someone who recently said those words to me. She literally stood toe to toe, like eye to eye, same height. And we were talking about something completely different. And then she suddenly says, I don't know why we keep talking about race. We're all one race. The Lord doesn't see color. And I was like, you know, what's really interesting. I said, it's crazy that I hear so many people say that, but then, you know, people go to the beach to get a tan and people go to the mountains to see the leaves change. And people are excited about white snow and they're excited to decorate their houses for the holiday full of color. And yet people say they don't see color. And it didn't even click with her, the connection between the two. And this is someone who has said to me, like, I see you, like in the middle of the race upheaval that was very visible. And so like to have somebody come to you and say, I see, like, I saw you. No, it, it was, it really was, saw you. It, it meant a lot. Um, and the, the, the couple of things that God's working on me from that experience, specifically speaking with her that night was one, continue to let people see me, like continue to show up a hundred percent me exactly how I describe that of showing up, being present, but not pressing. Yeah. And I mean, like reading the room and, and acting accordingly. Um, creating a space and being a person who welcomes people to be themselves and to be seen like that. Um, Those are, those are the two, the two things. And also just being uncomfortable and being okay with being uncomfortable, but not, you know, making light of the situation. Um, and just learning even in the midst of a loud party to carve out time to speak to someone like she did with me. Um, and to, to carve out the time and the energy to speak back. Um, because I mean, I'm just, I'm not used to being complimented on that intimate of a level. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, especially with someone like, I just met you this weekend and I've had, you know, I did have, you know, break bread with her. Um, but it was just, it was a lot. I mean, to but how, hear about how myself. Hmm? Yeah. How beautiful is it that it was so deeply personal about your being versus your doing. Right? Well, those those two things. It, 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 like I said, I'm 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 used to being complimented for things like appearance, your hair, your earrings, whatever. Or then, to your point, you're doing right. Um, especially being a woman um, of color in this country, it's all about well, what did you do? What did you produce? Did you check off all the things on your list? Right. What did you get done? Um, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and it's such a, 
like it's a greater contribution that like yes produce the things do the things but like please be yourself because <laughs> we could have a little more of that right as opposed to all the blueprints of you know what I mean I don't know it just to your point like we've we've been I don't even think this is a word but it keeps coming up in my so we're gonna make it a word I'm gonna make it a word word stroving <laughs> like mm. we're, you've been striving so much you are stroving like you know what I mean like we've been so in a stroving okay. society <laughs> like so hear about that because we always go back to the shirts I'm done with stroving yes I'm, I'm over stroving. stroving I'm over stroving I'm over it's it. a new word I'm over, I'm writing it down. I'm speaking at my church on Saturday and I'm going to say, that's going to be my intro. Y'all, I'm over stroving. Let me tell you what stroving is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like we have been checking the boxes of, did I do this? Do I have this thing? Do I say these things? Do I have this many followers? Do I have the blue check by my name? Like all the things that we've forgotten how to just be who we are. And half of us don't even know who we are because we've been living in such a stroving culture. Yeah. So we don't even know how to step into, well, like, like what if that is really you, the thing you've been trying really hard to not do and be, what if that's how God made you and you genuinely get giddy over Werther's? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Listen, something is simple, right? I, um, there's, there's so many things like I get to retire in seven years, but I'll probably keep working because the twins will be 16 and they'll probably want, like, I want to, I want to finish high school with them when they graduate, I'll retire. Okay. So I'll probably be retiring in about nine years. And, um, when it comes up, like, what do you want to do? I know at heart, I'm a teacher, but through fitness, God's taught me like, well, you can teach fitness. That's still being a teacher, right? There's all these things that I'm passionate about. I get giddy about that. You were just saying, um, all I know is at the heart of all of that. It's always been about connecting with people and building community. And I will say 100% on that weekend for stress protests, Girl Trek and Girl Trekkers showed up and showed out. Mm. Um, so for, um, and they had allies. Allies are present. There were people, um, if you don't know what an ally is, <laughs> That's someone who is not a part of the culture, um, but 100% supports the, the movement. So um, I know that there was like um, an East Asian woman present. There were a couple um, Caucasian women present. There were men who, who were behind the scenes and there were some men who were leading workshops. Um, there was a, a power couple who was leading the double Dutch um, workshop. I really wanted to participate in, but I couldn't. I know them. I used to work with the wife. 
Oh my goodness. Are you serious? We taught at the same fitness center in Austell. Yeah. <laughs> so I was they, gonna... were just a, they were just dating at the time and then like they got married and had a kid and yeah, yeah they, a, they are, they are too cool. Yeah. And I wanted to do that, but I was still recovering, um, from an injury that was, um, from the biopsy. Mm. Um, so I didn't get to participate and I was like, you'd, I mean, I still wanted to do that. Anyways, I'm, I'm going to find them because they said they have a, a coach here, a trainer here. I want to say I have yeah. a video of them trying to convince me that I could double that because <laughs> I was like, no, y'all don't understand. I have zero coordination. They were like, but you teach fitness. I was like, you don't. It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> they were like, no, you can tell. And they went to turn and I was like, I'm telling you, I don't even know what to do right listen, now. <laughs> listen, before DJ before DJ, I don't know how I lost coordination after pregnancy, but I did before DJ, I could do, um, step aerobics. And before there was flavor, I would bring flavor to step aerobics, <laughs> yeah. right. And hit it and turn and pop and pop and pop. And after I had DJ, I was like, what foot goes where, how do I do this? I just lost so much of my coordination. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know why. Um, but, but there were plenty of allies, you know, at, at the, the stress protest, but it was definitely, um, what, I don't want to cuss because I was about to quote Amanda Seals, <laughs> but, um, it was, it, it was, it was a really good, um, a really good experience and moment. And, um, they're about to kick off the next Black History Bootcamp, October 1st. Oh, okay. And so Good. for people who are not familiar, um, you can go to girltrek.org. Um, a lot of information is on Girl Trek's Instagram page. Um, I personally haven't posted anything on my Instagram page since July um, because all the things I was posting were going to start to show that I was in California and I am my mother's daughter and I don't let people know outside of people who know me in real life that I'm traveling. Right. Um, and then I don't want to do that one weird thing where people are like, I've been gone from social media, but I'm back. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I'll just, that's what I'll do. I'll just post starting October 1st. Um, and, and if somebody says, my hey, again. I noticed that you were gone. Oh, thanks for noticing. <laughs> right. Cause I did that. I took a break and didn't announce the break. Yeah. I just took the break. And I started getting messages from people who had heard from other people saying, where's Ania? Is she okay? Mm. And one person came to me and she said, you not being on social media, like people can tell your presence is missing. Mm. And it like, it touched me. It kind of felt like, like you said, that girl noticing you, like seeing you, because the one thing I've committed to doing whether it's here on this podcast or wherever it is I don't want to add to the noise I don't want to be noise I don't want to just be another thing yeah there you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, we've talked about that over the years because the whole like you need to post once a day and yeah. da, 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 da. and yeah. I remember we we had we had taken some workshop or something about social media and I remember God just gathered me all the way together in the middle of that was like, did you really spend $49 for this person to tell you to post every day when I tell you 
yeah. when or when not to post. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll get you like that, right? All right. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. It's so wild just because we are in the middle of hurricane season and my, I was wondering if my internet was going to be choppy while we were recording. And just as you were saying that last statement, I got a weather notification on my computer that the hurricane is 335 miles away. Mm. That's not that far. It was not far at all. So no, we were, we were very fortunate here in Columbia. I've been praying for everybody who's in the path or to the east of the path, because it's to the east where you get the, the, the biggest fallout from it, it shifted. And so now we're to the West. We were supposed to be directly in the line of, um, so while I'm grateful that we are not in the path, I'm still praying for everybody who's, who's been affected or is going to be affected by it. Cause this was a doozy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, before we sign off, I just want to say that I'm sorry that your lived experience um, of passing by a Black man and not getting the acknowledgement that you are due because of his lived trauma, like, I'm, I hate that you have to endure that. Um, and collectively, anyone of color knows what that feels like. Mm. And I'm glad that you literally gave words to that feeling for the people who don't know what that feels like so um, I'm sorry that you've had to endure it and I'm grateful that you were bold enough to bring it up and I'm grateful it's, for, it's a real lived experience for, for yeah. both parties yeah and I'm grateful for just our relationship and our sisterhood and I'm not gonna cry um yeah <laughs> 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 um I love you. I'm just really glad that you got to experience that. Well, I, I need you to just go ahead and block out the weekend <laughs> of um, Labor Day because I'm snatching you up and we're going. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> I, I, well, you don't even have to ask me, but I'm just really glad that you got to experience that and just the healing that comes with it. The healing part, I think for me, really was God showing me how much of a work he's already done. Yeah. And, and the work that's to come is going to bring sweeter freedom. Well, I'll tell you what I wrote down, joy. what I wrote down on my notes and then we'll wrap with that. Um, years ago where the Holy spirit spoke to you and told you to root down, to rise up. Yes smiling and laughing because that was spoken more than once that weekend in, in workshops I was in and I was like I hear, like, I know that. I hear you <laughs> I love it love it love it love it all right well I appreciate you Raina I love you and I'm grateful for you being willing to to share the whole journey and the whole personal process of God meeting you in the middle of moving your body because um, most people have forgotten that the mind-body connection isn't just on a mat. Most people don't know that. Mm. Most people have forgotten that it's all connected. Um, so I appreciate you. Um, Love you, girl. And y'all in the show notes, you will find um, links to Girl Trek, 
links to double dutch aerobics <laughs> um, and a link to um our shop our t-shirt shop because what Raina mentioned about I'm over the stroving we might not have that as a shirt yet but we've got some shirts in the shop that are um, pretty much our message and the billboard of helping you adjust your focus so I hope that this conversation did that for you as well um, and as always um, pay attention to what you've been paying attention to be well and we will chat with you next time y'all be blessed <laughs>